This podcast and following message are brought to you by The Sharing. Discover what it's like to be part of something larger than yourself, something big, something important. Located in sunny Santa Barbara, The Sharing is committed to family, virtue, righteousness, and brotherhood and sisterhood. Join now as a member of The Outer Sharing for the chance to become one of the special chosen few, a full member of The Inner Sharing. The Sharing, you will be a part. You will be different. Okay, great, and we're back. I guess, first of all, we should say that dies. <laughs> yeah, just so everyone's aware, if some of you, like, meant to turn off the podcast, but you just didn't quite hit the button yet, yeah, totally dies. Maybe we'll bleep, like, the first time, like, bleep, dies, and then... But yeah, it, it's Rachel who dies <laughs> <laughs> at the end. Did you have anything you want to say about this passage now that we're in the spoiler zone? Honestly, not super much. I don't know if there's that much to say. I guess we didn't really talk about the being frozen by the Elemist part as Mm -hmm. much in the Mm spoiler-free section. But, like, it is just funny because in this book, you see the Elemist as someone who, I guess their thing is that they can freeze time. Yeah. But, like, later, that doesn't even super matter at all, you know? Like... Time and space are just strange. Like, it just doesn't matter. Yeah. Just... <laughs> anyway, that was all I wanted to say about that quote. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, I guess uh, once we've read the whole series, we know more about Taxons, I think, because we've been to their home world. So I think we kind of understand their, you know, it makes sense why they just lick up roaches off the floor. Because they're so hungry. Because they're so hungry. They're so hungry. I guess in that sense it is ruined because it is no longer able to eat. Oh, <laughs> oh poor Texan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's all I had to say about the quote. Did you want to say anything about the book in the context of the series as a whole? Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing is we meet the Elemist, right? Yeah, like, it's pretty huge. What I was going to say before is that like, in my mind... The series is, like, really about the Elemist. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, like, the workings of the Elemist. Like, so if somebody were to say to me, like, oh, but the Elemist is kind of, like, hokey and not really part of the series, mm-hmm. I would be like, that's, like, the series that. is about the Elemist. If anything, all the adventures that the Anwarfs have kind of take away from the larger mm-hmm. story that's going on. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So how can the Elemist be kind of gratuitous or hokey to the Animorph series. Like, that's not... That doesn't make sense. What do you make of the fact that the first time we see the Elemist, it's in this book, a Rachel book, and then the last time we see the Elemist is, like, as Rachel is dying. And then she says, did I matter? Mm-hmm. And then here... It's this also book, about, does it matter? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I was thinking about that before is it's like, it's always about mattering. Yeah. And that seems to be Rachel in particular seems to place importance on that. Yeah. I mean, I I guess I hadn't really thought about it before you said it just now, but I'm kind of wondering if maybe the Elemist knows that he needs to like appear to Rachel. Mm -hmm. You know, like the Elemist knows that Cassie's just good at morphing. The Elemist knows that, like, Jake is just this noble soul, right? hmm But Rachel 
is going through these struggles of like wanting to be part of something important. Right. And so I think she benefits a lot from the LMS telling her that she matters yeah, in ways that I don't think that it would have mattered as much to Jake, Mm -hmm. for example, Mm -hmm. like if Jake were dying and he met the LMS, I'm sure he would have like a really profound conversation, but I don't think it would be that one. Maybe his would be about like doing the best he could or choosing the right side, choosing to do the right things. Yeah, because he, you know, he always has these struggles about making hard decisions, like yeah. killing a few to yeah. save many. Mm-hmm. You know, Cassie has all these like very categorical imperative kind of struggles, mm-hmm. I guess, similar to Jake. But and then like Marco has all this stuff with his mom. Like everybody kind of has their own little struggle thing. But I think at least after having just read this book, it definitely seems like Rachel is hung up on being part of something important. Being part of the good guy's side. Yeah. You know, knowing that she's doing the right thing. Yeah. And I think that's an aspect of Rachel that isn't something you get at first glance. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Right? It seems like she, at first she's brave and smart and pretty. You peel it back a little bit and then you see that she's uh, worried about being brave. And then even deeper, maybe you have her worrying about... Did I matter? Well, and I think that the did I matter thing ties in well later in the series when, is it the starfish one or is it a different one? When oh she, God, starfish one. There's one where she starts getting really, I, the reason I think it might be the starfish one is because obviously she splits in half. Um, there's one where <sighs> she starts getting really like worried that she's too reckless. I don't, I don't know what specific one you're thinking of. Well, I, yeah. I mean, and I, I think it happens in say. multiple, yeah. right? But my thought is just like, it's not really coming into play this early in the series, but later she's worrying like, am I too much of a loose cannon? Am I just like getting lost in the the adrenaline rush? You know, mm-hmm. like, am I just mm-hmm. chasing the high? And I think that her wanting to make sure that what she does matters is like if i know that i'm fighting on the good guys team and i'm making a difference that's hard that makes me feel better about the fact that i kind of get drawn to killing people you know and like yeah i i guess maybe i get a little bit of bloodlust sometimes but i can feel okay mm-hmm. about it because i know that like that i should be doing what i'm doing do you know what yeah. i mean no i i, I think that's totally right um, oh, I was going to say, this is something we touched upon. It seems like in this series, each Animorph has like an outward identity. Like, Jake is the leader. Marco is funny. Cassie cares about animals. Mm-hmm. Rachel is reckless. Tobias is a bird. Um, but then I think in their books, we get a lot of them wrestling with that. Right? A lot of Jake's books are like, I'm struggling with being a leader. Rachel's books are like in this one, she admits that she's tired and scared and she's like struggling with their family. And then in Marco's books, we like see him consciously using humor as, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, like a way to cope. Although I was going to say, do we ever see someone being like just neutral about their identity? Yeah, that's what I, I was going to say is like, do you think, are they always this conflicted? Are these books chosen because this is like a time when they're conflicted? I was kind of thinking about that. 
Does that make, does that make yeah, sense? Yeah. Yeah. I guess because like maybe in the rest like of the books. Like in some sense. Like this is book seven, but maybe in book five, Rachel was just, she wasn't really thinking about the fact that she was kind of bold and a warrior. You know, yeah. she was just. She was just doing it. She was just thinking about other stuff or whatever. And she was like, yeah, let's just do it. Yeah. You know? Let's do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's do it. Um, oh, I was going to talk about, was going to run this by you. Okay. Rachel so far has been morphing elephant for a battle morph. Mm-hmm. Like her battle morph is definitely in grizzly, like going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, absolutely. Last, yeah. last time she is in battle morph, it's grizzly, isn't it? Yeah. She yeah. dies as a grizzly. Yeah. So get this. Mm-hmm. Her elephant morph is like, I guess a more naive Rachel or Rachel that is like, more of the Rachel who is like fighting to protect Melissa. Rachel as a bear is her more of like a soldier, I guess. More brutal in a way because she is closer to the violence. Does that, does that make any sense? Like ele- elephant violence is a little more cartoonish, right? Bear violence is like a little more in your face. Well, I mean, it sounds like you're reading? thinking about the differences between an elephant and a bear. And how those differences are reflected in Rachel's character. Yeah. But in terms of the differences between an elephant and a bear. Yeah. I think the most obvious difference that you're probably thinking about is that an elephant is really big. Mm-hmm. And a bear is like still big, but not elephant big. Right. Yeah. And because the elephants are really big, they're, like, more impervious to harm. They have, like, uh, the tough, like leathery like skin. That. Yeah. I think that's really good. Whereas, like, Rachel's arm never got taken off when she was an elephant. No. Right? It's, no. So that's sort of what I think of. Not to mention, like, her using a grizzly as her, like, battle morph is her being more okay with getting hurt also. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Which I think is kind of the recklessness coming through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, yes, I might get my arm torn off now, but I can, like, claw a lot better. And as bite. A bear. Yeah. 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 I I feel like this is really good. I, I think you, like, kind of really refined the, like, really mm-hmm. rough ideas I had. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about, specifically about how the opening of this book is her in Elephant Morph and how the last battle scene is, like, she does the fighting as a grizzly and then the like triumphant tossing of the Kendrona out as an elephant. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, for practical purposes, but mm-hmm. possibly, mm-hmm. you know, there is more to that. Yeah, no, I like and I think that her like there is also something to be said for the fact that like you don't only have one morph at a time. Like she can morph both. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I she, mean, no one's, you know. No one's all grizzly or all. We're seeing like a new layer of her, but she's still a little bit elephant. Yeah. She's got some elephant inside her. Yeah. Um, Speaking of which, did you want to talk about Rachel and Tobias? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. What did you want to say about Rachel and Tobias? I just felt like we should talk about the relationship because we weren't able to talk about it at all during the non-spoiler section. Yeah. Wait. Uh, so I guess I want to ask you, where did you think Rachel and Tobias are in this? Like you are reading book seven. Oh yeah. 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 What do you think about Rachel and Tobias? I mean, one thing that I do like about the Rachel and Tobias relationship is that Tobias is always 
in, on his perch. So like when she's yeah. angsty and edgy, she like goes and hangs out with Tobias. Yeah. Like that's just really nice. Yeah. And he just, he knows that that is what she does when she's angsty yeah. and edgy and he's like open to it and he's like cool with it. Mm-hmm. But I think the way the book is written, there's plenty of like YA novels where the girl and the boy hang out in a special way, but they're not romantically involved, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was kind of... you thinking about that? I was not necessarily thinking like, oh, they're going to get together, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Um, oh, um, so... The listener who brought up the uh, immune theory of morphing. Mm-hmm. So kind of the way that the animorphs kind of get found out in the end is animal DNA is discovered in their blood. Mm-hmm. So like one of the few facts that we know is that canonically there is like animal DNA in their blood. Mm-hmm. And uh, one single stem cell is probably not enough to produce traceable amounts of animal DNA. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're like immune-like cells that possibly store the entire genome, possibly store parts of the tiger genome that like coordinate to do the act of morphing, and that there are enough of them that if you draw blood on somebody, you can end up with some of these cells and their tiger DNA. Does that make sense? Well, if the cells have tiger DNA... How is that tested, I guess? Like, what does that mean about the actual structure of the DNA that was found? I don't know. Because, like, when you're pregnant, I know that, like, one of the ways that you test for, like, the sex of the baby is by, like, looking for DNA in your blood, Mm -hmm. right? But I think that's actually, like, loose. I think that's loose DNA. I'm not sure. Oh, yeah. So my, I guess my question is just, like, not that we could know this, but, like, how are they in the early 2000s distinguishing that this dna is actually animal dna yeah i don't know i I don't really have a great knowledge of early 2000s in terms of the like immune system response thing proliferation of immune cells does not lead to proliferation of tissue you know it just leads to proliferation of immune cells right yeah but these are, yeah. So I guess I'm these just not are sure. not exactly the same as human immune cells. So I guess you're saying it's kind of like, it's kind of like how a tumor cell has DNA that's different from a human cell. And so it proliferates in the same way that a human cell would, but maybe has some characteristics that are different. I don't know. Maybe they're morphocytes and like they just do very specialized things. Right. I think that the stem cell, that, like, I think a morphocyte would have to be a stem cell, though. Mm-hmm. No, but maybe there are, like, lots of different morphocytes mm-hmm. in addition to the totipotent stem cell. Maybe they are all the same as that stem cell. Mm-hmm. Maybe they all have, like, fragments of the animal genome and they, like, Combined together. Yeah, like maybe there's one, maybe you have one like multipotent tiger B cell mm-hmm. or just like immune cell. Mm-hmm. And like maybe you have one tiger GI tract cell mm-hmm. and one tiger neuron. Mm-hmm. And like 
Men, those things all proliferate. Like in response to the brain signal when you consciously try to morph. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, well, I don't really know about the signaling, but we're just talking about the like cells in your body that do the proliferating, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe, so I guess the point was that for there to be a detectable amount in blood, there need to be like a lot of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm saying, so I'm asking if what you're saying is that instead of having totipotent stem cells, you have cells that are not totipotent, but just cover the range of cell functions that are present mm-hmm. in the body. I think so. I'm not, okay. I'm not entirely, you know, sure. Like, cause I think that's pretty similar. The best explanation. I think that's a pretty similar like concept. It's just instead of having one cell, you have like many. Mm-hmm. I think that the, like my main question about the immune thing would just be how does an immune cell then lead to you having like a brain cell or like a, I don't know, mm-hmm. spleen or whatever without it being some yeah, kind maybe. of stem cell, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but maybe it is. Maybe it is a stem cell. It's just pretending to be an immune cell for some. It's something. just a morphocyte. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good word. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. And then it undergoes morphocytosis or something like that. <laughs> morphocytosis. Maybe we can flesh this theory a out more. A promorphoblast. As we, as time goes A on. morphogenitor. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I agree. We can keep thinking about it. We can keep refining. Those are all the things I had to say about this book. Um, I think those are all the things I had to say about this book. I'm glad we got to have a good... Spoiler sesh. A rousing discussion of the Elemist and many other things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I felt like this book in particular had a lot of stuff that I wanted to talk about in the spoiler zone and not as much stuff as I wanted to talk about in, yeah. in the A side. No, I love the Elemist. I like the Elemist Chronicles. Mm, the so Elemist good. Chronicles are so good. Yeah, I, like I was thinking about it. The Elmist haters. Yeah, exactly. You said it. Yeah, so I'm excited to hear from him again sometime soon. Yeah, book 13, I think. So I guess it sounds like that's all we have, right? Uh, Yeah. I guess we could talk about our rationale behind the order and the the skip list. Yeah, would you like to? I guess so we have the megamorphs are just assumed to be happening when they were released in the series. So I think Megamorphs number one is released, the next book that was released. Um, for some of the other ones, I think we did some like moving around to find, try and find where it takes place in the. Well, sometimes they mention in the main series, like they'll just have a casual yeah. mention of the plot from the, yeah. like a Chronicles book or something. Anyway, but I guess that's all we have for you guys today, right? Yeah. Well, so thank you for listening to this episode of the Sulpniar Pool. You can contact us at sulpniarpool at gmail.com. That's S-U-L-P-N-I-A-R pool at gmail.com. Or visit our website, sulpniarpool.com. We have a Facebook page, facebook.com slash sulpniarpool. And you can tweet at us through at sulpniarpool. If you so desire, you can find our Tumblr and Reddit information on the website as well. We also maintain a Spotify playlist with all the songs that we've mentioned on the show so far, which you can find on our website for some 90s nostalgia. So long, and until next time. 
Okay, so the last line of this book is, yes, I was coming. So uh, I'm gonna pick a different line. Oh, we have to save the world. So long and until next time, we have to save the world. All right, that's a wrap. Great. We did it.